What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in to the After the Cut edition of the Long Shots podcast right here on VEASAN and VEASAN.com, the sports betting network. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you after round two of the 149th edition of the Open Championship taking place along the coast of Kent in Sandwich, England at Royal St. George's. And for the second day in a row, Louis Oosthuizen is atop the leaderboard. He is now at 11 under par, shot 64 on Thursday, followed it up with a 60 five on Friday to take a commanding lead, a two-shot advantage over Colin Morikawa, who is at nine under par after two rounds. The cut has been made. If you're at plus one or better, you are in for the weekend. If you're at plus two or worse, you are out for the weekend. And some pretty big names that will not be around in Southern England for the weekend, including former Open champion, Francesco Molinari, Martin Keimer, a major champion, Chris Kirk, Mark Leishman, Henrik Stenson, another open champion, will not be around for the weekend. Patrick Reed, certainly a fancied by a lot of people that would fare well this week. He was at plus three for the first two days. He will not be around. Terrell Hatton, Keegan Bradley, they will not be around. And maybe one of the biggest surprises was Stuart Sink, who got it all the way to four under on Thursday and then shot 77 on Friday to miss the cut by two shots. Wes Reynolds, I'll bring you in for your comments and your thoughts after the first two days. A lot of big names that missed the cut, but I'll tell you what, a lot of big names that are in the top 30 or so in the leaderboard, including favorite John Rahm, Brooks Kepka, of course, Oosthuizen across the top there, Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson, Scotty Scheffler. I think we're in for a good final 36 holes, even though this course has been playing pretty easy so far through two days. Yeah, we certainly do have a, a highly contested leaderboard with a lot of top-end players, Brady. I'll add in Phil Mickelson, of course, not making the cut either at 12 over par. Didn't finish DFL. I don't have to pronounce or uh, spell out that abbreviation for you, but almost finished DFL. Nevertheless, 12 over par, he will not play this weekend. But I think we got a good mix. We got some top class at, at the field with Ustazen, Morikawa, Spieth, 
Dustin Johnson, Scotty Scheffler. And we've also got some really cool stories like Marcel Seam, who is at 600 par. The Man Bun, who has not won, I believe, since 2014. He's got four European Tour wins, so not a total no-name, especially if you're a hardcore follower or better of golf. But interesting names up there. Paul Casey made a nice little rally today. Brooks Kapka made a nice little rally. John Rahm with the 64 today gets to five under par. So I think there's a lot of guys in this mix right now. But to your point also about the course not playing is difficult. What is the ultimate defense for a course at the Open Championship? It's the weather. And even the wind didn't pick up really this afternoon because we saw some very low scoring even from the late guys, which we didn't necessarily see on Thursday in round one. Basically, the split right now, in terms of the average scoring, if you were an early late tee time and late being on Friday, which Louis Oosthuizen was certainly part of that group, as was Jordan Spieth, as was Dustin Johnson, the early late averaged 140.15, so basically slightly over even par. And if you were a late early guy, 142.56, so about a two-and-a-half-stroke difference in terms of the draw bias. But now the draw bias is eliminated. Looks like we have pretty much the same conditions. I think it's going to firm up a little bit over the weekend, Brady, but I don't think this scoring, I don't know how much it's going to slow down. I don't think it's going to go bonkers, and we're going to get to something like 20 under par, but it looks like mid-teens because if I'm looking at the leaderboard right now, this is around where I thought the winning score was going to be, and here we are after 36 holes. Yeah, I was kind of thinking maybe we'd get to 13 under where Greg Norman got at this same golf course, Royal St. George's in his championship in 1993, won it at 13 under. Uh, but Louis Oosthuizen threw two rounds already at 11. And you mentioned the draw there for he, Spieth, and Dustin Johnson early on Thursday, late on Friday, really turned out to be where the advantage lied. And, uh, you know, I, it, it's hard to get picky about these things, Wes. I feel it's like people in Las Vegas that complain when it's too hot and in the wintertime they complain and it's too cold. <laughs> we we want that perfect scenario for a major championship where six or eight under par wins the thing and it's just difficult enough to make these guys really struggle, but also easy enough where we can see opportunities for birdies and eagles. But today, it, it was really not a, a, a brutal test uh, by, by major championship standards. I think when we're defining major champions in this sport, we we do want to see it tougher than it was today. And when a guy shoots 64 on Thursday, we don't necessarily expect him to follow that up with a 65. And that's what Louis Eustazen did exactly over his first two days. But you got to tip your cap to the guy who has been the consummate bridesmaid, six runner-up finishes in major championships over the course of his career. You and I both thought Louis might struggle here. It's not uh, the British Open is not necessarily his cup of tea outside of St. Andrews, where he won. Other courses in the British Open rota have not been real kind to Louis, uh, but he is certainly taking advantage here off of that near miss at Torrey Pines about a month ago in the U.S. Open. Yeah, it's kind of that, do you like the player or the price type of thing? And I didn't like the price on Louis Oosthuizen because this is a guy that's usually a 50 or 60 to 1 type of player. He gets cut, obviously, on the basis of having two runner-ups at the majors this year, the PGA and the U.S. Open, respectively. And now he gets cut as low. I saw him in the low 20s, around 25 to 1, and even shorter at, at, at some other shops that maybe don't give you the fairest prices. But I just thought... I don't know if I can really take that. I think the bloom is off the rose here, and maybe the word is out, so you're not getting as much value there. But 
here you go, once again in contention for a major championship. If he goes on and wins this thing, if he doesn't do anything the rest of the year, he's probably going to be the PGA Tour Player of the Year because if you have an open a major championship win and then two runners-up, you can't really do any better than that except winning them all. So Louis Oosthuizen right now, 11 under par, and I think he, he has played very well. I think he's only made one bogey, so he was bogey three, did have one in the middle of the back nine, but that's basically the only misstep he has made thus far. So 11 under par, he will be in the final group tomorrow morning with Colin Marikawa, who was six under on his round. Colin Marikawa actually was the first to get it to 10 under par. It looked like he was going to be at 11, but ends up at nine under par because I think they saw that score in the morning, these guys, and it's like, okay, we got to get busy here. Doesn't look like the wind is going to pick up, so we got to take advantage. And there you go, Louis Ustays in 64-65. Oh, by the way, I believe that ties, at least ties the all-time record at the Open Championship in terms of low 36 holes. It might have actually broken the record. 11 under, minus 129. So there he is sitting at the top of the leaderboard. And then Jordan Spieth right behind him, I thought, played very smart golf. And you and I both have Jordan Spieth on a ticket for the outright to win this thing and some other props and matchups, what have you. But... I almost wish the weather would pick up a little bit and I would feel at least a lot better about that Spieff ticket because I think if the weather got a little nasty, I think he'd be a lot better because we had this, I had this discussion with somebody earlier today. It's kind of the balancing of the art and the science here. And we've talked about how Bryson DeChambeau did make the cut on the number at plus one is maybe too delved into the science and not enough of the art. The Open Championship historically, I think, favors the artist more than it does the scientist. And Jordan Spieth, I think, has been relying a little bit more on the art side than the science side. And look, he's a relatively technical player as well. So what does worry you is if he goes out this weekend and he's like, oh, the scoring is going to be so low. So now I got to be too scientific about it and not play the artful game that has at least put me in position to be in position on the weekend. It's a great point you make, and I hope and I do believe that he will continue down that road with what has got him here so far. And he's made comments about that, how he kind of, you know, he doesn't when he's in America, he concentrates so much on his swing and the movies making at the golf ball. Whereas here, when he plays the open, he's so much more concentrated on the result and, and how he's going to shape his ball into or against the wind. And it's not so he shortened the swing. You know, he kind of takes all the the technicalities and the process out of it and just hits his golf ball and keeps it low and, and tries to position himself in the proper places. And I imagine he'll continue that strategy, but you make a great point. I mean, if the scoring starts to get out of hand, you will likely, and maybe not, it's maybe not Jordan Spieth, but you'll likely see some guys possibly change their game plan and, and just have to try and go low to keep up with the Joneses, if you will. And if you do look at the weather, it's supposed to be very similar to what we saw today. Wind in the neighborhood of just 10 miles an hour, which is very benign, a lot of sunshine. I, I, we may just see this scoring continue in conditions that were very similar to what we saw today. If you look at the adjusted odds boards, Wes, uh, you have Louis Oosthuizen as the favorite at plus 250. I'm looking at BetMGM. Louis Oosthuizen at plus 250, Colin Morikawa at 4-1, to one. Jordan Spieth at plus 450, Dustin Johnson at plus 750, John Rahm at 14-1, to one. Scotty Scheffler at 14-1, to one. Brooks Kepka at 20-1. to one. 
Anybody initially, and I know this second round has uh, been over for literally just minutes, but anybody that you're kind of looking at at the top of the leaderboard there that you still think has a lot left in the tank and could get to the top of the board before we're done on Sunday? Well, I've got three guys, I think, with a realistic chance. Jordan Spieth at 9-2, to two, and I have him at 22-1. to one. Brooks Koepka, 20-1, to one, about a little bit slightly better than what he was pre-flop. He was 16, 18 to 1-ish. So he's right there at 20 to 1. Looks like he feels good. He definitely loves his driver, as he mentioned in the post-round uh, uh, interview. <laughs> yes, he does. Golf <laughs> so, uh, you know, he, the guy just never lets up on Bryson DeChambeau, but Bryson DeChambeau makes himself an easy target. So there you go. He's going to continue to do it and have fun with it. Paul Casey, I also have. He is 40 to 1. I think he's a little bit interesting here, too, because he's been in the top 10 so far in two majors this year, hasn't quite able, been able to break through, and really that's kind of the one thing missing in his entire career. But he's reduced his schedule, and he's been in the mix in a lot of big events, including the Players' Championship. So Paul Casey at 40 to 1. Uh, Emiliano Grillo at 66 to 1. We talk about all the stats, and we usually talk about strokes gained approach every single week. And those numbers really bared out, Brady. If you, if you looked at kind of over the last 24, 36 rounds, Colin Marikawa, the clear runaway number one, I think gained a little bit less than 42 strokes approach in his last 24 rounds. But second place, even though there's a little gap, was Emiliano Grillo, who is a little bit under 28. And if these conditions are the same and that ball striking stays true, now you worry about the putting a little bit. But if the irons are on point, Emiliano Grillo at 66 to 1, that's kind of a big number if you are looking for a big number down the board. And then I thought our guy Shane Lowry played very nice today, 80 to 1. I think probably for him to get back into it, though, you would need the wind to pick up or some kind of weather. We're obviously not going to get any rain. And we know that this course is lush as it is, as our guest on Long Shots this week. Ben Goley pointed out it's been a very wet summer over in the UK so this course has been very lush which means the greens are very receptive and obviously you're going to have slow greens over here running about 10 on the stint meter these are some of the slowest greens these guys will see all year and that's why I think you're seeing these guys make birdies no, absolutely. Uh, the lush conditions have really contributed to the scoring. It's not only the lack of wind, but all the rain that they've had in the month of June and July. Keeping balls in the fairway, guys able to hold greens with their approach shots, and like you say, the the speed of the greens. We've seen the putting just, it seems, watching the, the broadcast, the putting's just through the roof. Everybody's holing everything, and, and when they're missing, it's, you know, it's on the edge, or they're missing only by a few inches, so everybody's looking like a great putter this week. Uh, Shane Lowry, I agree with you. A nice move. He made up the leaderboard today, but probably bed, uh, bad weather does favor his chances. He's a great player in the wind. And, you know, if he's in a birdie fest uh, for the final 36 holes here, that's probably not the best scenario for him. And Emiliano Grillo, you know, I think the competition around him, Casey, Kepka, you know, uh, Scheffler, Johnson, Spieth, I, maybe that's just a, too much of a step up in class for Grillo to get it done. But, you know, if you're looking, and it's, when you're going into an adjusted market, and it's even true prior to the tournament beginning, but I think especially it's exaggerated in an adjusted market after round one, round two, what have you, the bigger names you're never going to see a good price on, and, and that includes Brooks Kepka and John Rahm and Dustin Johnson. Now, I do think the price on Louis Oosthuizen is not too bad with the way he's going, but I think you have to look for kind of the more unknowns, and certainly Emiliano Grillo is one of those, but 
maybe a guy that doesn't quite garner the adjustment in price, but is still borderline world-class player and has proven to be very uh, adaptable to Lynx golf early on in his Lynx golf career is Scotty Scheffler. Uh, this guy is mm-hmm. only a few shots out of the lead. I think he's at six under par, if I recall here, and he's at 20 to one at BetMGM. Make that 14 to one at BetMGM. I don't think that's such a bad number on a guy that has really been going well. Four shots off the lead at seven under par. Scotty Scheffler currently tied for fourth. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think maybe there's the unknown commodity there that Scotty Scheffler, of course, has yet to win on the PGA Tour. So it's like, can you can your, can you break your maiden here on one of the biggest stages in the world at the Open Championship? But we know that Scotty Scheffler take the rankings out of it just watching how a guy plays and just the numbers he puts up he's a top 20 player in the world in my opinion he just has not broken through he's very young in his career i think this is maybe his second or third full season on the pga tour and when you see the guys like marikawa and you see guys like victor hovland who have already broken through then it's like okay what's wrong with this guy everybody goes at a different pace here so you know scotty scheffler is going to break through and we've often talked about him brady on long shots He's going to break through at some point and win a big one. And this is about as big of one as you can get. So I certainly would not discount his chances. And I think even though it's obviously been cut from the pre-flop number, I think anything in the mid-teens is pretty fair on Scotty Scheffler. Wes, what do you think about, speaking of a guy needing to break through and win a big one, how about Tony Finau? He had a pretty good round put together today uh, in the early wave, and it was such a disappointing 18th hole for him on Thursday where he made a double bogey. Uh, You know, if if that turns out to be a par, he's at six under par right now and only five out of the lead. As it turns out, he's seven back of Louis Tazen's lead, uh, and he's at 66 to one. That's a pretty darn big number on a guy that can really light up a scoreboard, And, and if it does turn into a little bit of a birdie fest here over the weekend, I think Finau can keep pace with that type of game. Well, he's made six of them today. He did have the two bogeys. It's just that's what you're worried about with Finau. You don't want the catastrophic mistake. You don't want the double or the triple, and that's what you worry about with him. And you're seeing these guys at the top, like Ustazen and Spieth, look, you're probably going to make a bogey or you're going to make a mistake, but you got to take your medicine and just scramble out, maybe pitch back out into the fairway and and just try to take your five instead of making a six or a seven or something like that. So that's the concern with Finau. And look, he's a guy I've supported a lot over the years. I think he could very well get in the mix. He is kind of under the radar. We've been talking about, obviously, the guys at the top. Uh, Louie and Marikawa will be the final group. It'll be Spieth and Fratelli together tomorrow. Two Texas Longhorns. Two former teammates, actually, on that national championship team at University of Texas. So that might be a good pairing for both guys where they're very comfortable. DJ is with Scheffler, Van Tonder with Grillo, Seam with Sullivan, Harding with Paul Casey, Brooks Kepka with Mac Hughes, Ram with Tringali, and Tony Finau with Ryan Fox, the New Zealander. That's basically your final 10 pairings going into this. So Finau might be a guy, though, that if he's about, I think he's about, maybe an hour or a little less than an hour and a half ahead of the leaders could post a number. Somebody from this pack, probably at like four under or five under, is going to find a 64 or something like that, potentially even lower tomorrow with the winds only being about 10 to 12 miles an hour. Somebody's going to post a number for these leaders to kind of shoot at a little bit if they're not ahead of it already and going to find themselves in one of the final couple pairings on Sunday. 
Yeah, how about that correlation, Wes? We talk about uh, guys that play a lot of golf in Texas or grew up playing in the state of Texas. You know, they know how to bump and run the Texas wedge and play under the wind that you'll often find in that part of the country. And look at it, three of them at the top of the leaderboard there in Jordan Spieth, Scotty Scheffler, and Dylan Fratelli. So maybe something to file away for future Open championships. Not a bad idea, apparently, to bet on guys from Texas. Uh, let's wrap it up here, and uh, I'm going to ask you if you have any guys that you might get involved with uh, as we head into the weekend, the final two rounds, kind of reinvest, if you will. And I know you're sitting pretty good with a couple guys, and and I am too. You and I both are on Jordan Spieth and Brooks Kepka, so I'm certainly pretty content with those two. I also do have Sergio Garcia, who I don't think is completely out of it yet. He is at three under par, had a decent round today, probably could have gone a little bit lower. It's always the putter that seems to be his nemesis, but I'm okay with him. And I've got a lot of top 20 finishes that are still in play, top tens, that type of thing. So I'm okay with my card where it is right now. I'm not going to jump back in uh, as it stands right now on Friday night. We'll see if that changes on Saturday night. How about you, Wes? Yeah, the only one in terms of a shorter price guy I might go with, because I'm not going to go with the two favorites, because I'm hoping Jordan Spieth can kind of catch these guys. But Scotty Scheffler at 14-1, to and if I can even find a little better, I might be able to find some higher in the market, a little bit above 15, maybe closer to 20 than closer to 15. That would be somebody I would definitely be interested in in terms of a short price. Uh, if I'm really wanting to take a little bit of a risk, because I'm not going at the guys 150 or 200 to 1, I don't know, they might just be a little bit too far back but maybe i hold my nose and go off emiliano grillo and hope that hope that the putter fires i know that the irons are going to fire 66 to 1 and maybe i can get a little bit higher because he's obviously never really been in contention in a major and we saw that at the u.s open with a few guys when they were kind of in those final groups like russell henley like mac hughes and those guys, they did kind of fall back in that final round and really over the weekend. Richard Bland obviously was right there near the top uh, going into the third round at the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. So sometimes those guys, like you say, it may be just a, too big of a step up in class for them. But we often see at the end of the at the end of the Open Championship, there's one or two guys you don't expect to be there that somehow stick on that first page. Yeah, who is going to be this year's Ben Curtis? Uh, we will find out if if that storyline plays out. Right now, the storyline is indeed Louis Eustazen leading the Open Championship through 36 holes. Your wire-to-wire winner right now, as it stands, he led after Thursday and does again after Friday. 11 under par for the championship and two shots clear of Colin Morikawa, three shots ahead of former Open champion Jordan Spieth. That's going to do it for the after-the-cut edition of of the Long Shots podcast right here on VEASAN and VEASAN.com, the sports betting network. Thank you to Ryan. Thank you to Jacob Roach. Thank you, Wes, and enjoy your weekend, my friend. You got it, man. Looking forward to it. All right. Thank you for tuning in, everybody, and enjoy the rest of the 149th Open Championship. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 